Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 58, movies that we think need sequels in honor of Dr. Sleep coming out this weekend, a sequel to The Shining, whether you wanted it or not, it is now here and supposedly getting really, really rave reviews, but we have a lot, and I mean a lot of news to go over this week. In fact, I actually had to like cut down on some stuff, but first up, we have more casting from the Matt Reeves Batman movie, which is slowly but surely starting to fill out the rest of its cast, and I'm not going to lie, I didn't think I could get any more excited, but I just, the casting choices that director Matt Reeves is going with gets me more and more excited. So, it seems like now, it's not signed on the dotted line yet, but it seems like we may have found both our Alfred and our Penguin in two actors that I honestly, I don't know about you, Heather, but I definitely would not have pegged them. Um, I like both of these actors, but... I know when Josh and I did our casting episode, we didn't even think about either of these. Uh, and that is Colin Farrell as the role of Penguin slash Oswald Cobblepot and Andy Serkis as Alfred. Um, Heather, what is your initial reaction to hearing both of those casting news? For it, against it, just general thoughts. Where do you think when you heard those that announcement? Well, I thought Andy Serkis would kind of not fit the role, but in a way kind of fit the role of Alfred. Just because he doesn't, to me, he looks, if you just first glance at him, he looks like he, he looks kind of like him, but personality-wise, not so much. Like, Alfred's pretty serious and pretty, like, you know what I mean? And, yeah, it doesn't seem like he plays serious that much. It depends on the incarnation. There's been some more like dry, wet Alfred, but there's also been more serious. Um, I know you aren't super familiar with him as opposed to Andy Serkis. What did you think when he heard Colin Farrell for Penguin? Um, I didn't think he would really go well with Penguin, but now like you showed me pictures, and I know of Colin Farrell. I definitely know him. And the way you photoshopped, like, I could totally see it now. It just wasn't exactly what I was picturing in, in the first spot. I think um, Colin Farrell is a great actor. I think this is a role that he took because I think Matt Reese is going to let him keep his Irish accent, which is, like, super, super thick. Um, I've already seen jokes with Andy Serkis about, wow, I didn't know Alfred was going to be motion capture because... Andy Serkis is like the most prolific motion capture actor of all time. He did uh, Gollum, most notably Caesar in the Apes trilogy, which two out of the three of those are directed by Matt Reeves. So I was not surprised when um, Andy Serkis was cast. I was surprised that he was cast as Alfred. Um, that being said, even if you take away the motion capture, Andy Serkis is an actually a really great actor just as a, when he's physically there in a movie. Um, He's actually in Heather's all-time favorite movie, 13 Going on 30. Remember which role he was, Heather? Uh, uh, yeah, I do remember him, but I'm trying to think exactly. You remind me. He was uh, Jennifer Garner's character's boss. He uh, was... Oh, I just remember him dancing to Thriller. That's it. Yep, yes, that that's right, Andy Serkis. Right, right. um, I really liked him in 13 Going on 30, uh, but he's most, most notably, of course, known for his motion capture, but... 
Um, he's a great actor, great talent behind the camera too, as he's um, more kind of stepped up for directing, which some people have been speculating that his role in this may not be too big because he's actually directing Van, uh, Venom 2 with Tom Hardy. Mm-hmm. So he might be busy with that. So he, yes, he may have the role for this, but Alfred may not be a significant role. And maybe that's why he took this part. Cause I'm sure he wanted to work with Matt Reeves again after the apes movies, but he necessarily couldn't dedicate as much time if he was a bigger role. Um, that being said, you can never have too much Andy Serkis in my book. I really like him as an actor, whether he's motion capture, whether he's really there, whether he's Gollum or a gay fashion CEO in 13 Going on 30. Andy Serkis is always great. Colin Farrell is great. Um, I I look forward to the fact that he's going to be clearly a very different penguin than um, Danny DeVito, which I was never a fan of Danny DeVito's penguin. Um Heather, I know you haven't seen a whole bunch of it, but when I first saw that Colin Farrell was cast as Penguin, it kind of gave me a Gotham vibe, like the series Gotham, in that it's more of a, um, not necessarily scrawny, but like a thinner, mm-hmm. early days of Penguin, more like a sophisticated businessman. And I can kind of see that with Colin Farrell, but also both on screen and off, Colin Farrell is known to have a bit of a temper at times. And... Let's just say Penguin also is not necessarily the most mentally stable person. That's why he's a Batman villain. So actually, I think kind of having an unhinged actor play an unhinged character could really, really work. I think that'd be a a really... I think this, again, casting has just been knocking out of the park. Matt Reeves is not going with the biggest names for this movie, but he's going for the ones that clearly are fitting within his vision. And I like... This movie's taken forever to finally get off the ground. But now that we're starting to get the wheels rolling, I like the direction we're heading in. Um, I will say, though, there's been some rumors with Matt, about Matthew McConaughey might be Two-Face, which all those rumors have been debunked as nothing more than rumors. I think Two-Face is our next, uh, act, our next character confirmation. And then I'm going to go out on a limb and say the next character we have confirmed after Two-Face is Dick Grayson. There's been some rumors floating around for a little bit that these movies, uh, if not this first one, somewhere in this Matt Reeves trilogy, we will reintroduce the world to Robin leading up to a Nightwing standalone movie. Um, Do you think we will get Robin in this first Batman movie? And if so, uh, what age range do you think in Heather if we do get a Robin? Hmm, I think, yeah, we probably will get a Robin. But I feel like it, for one, I just predict in general, like, maybe he won't come in until, like, mid or later in the story of the movie. Um, I'd say he, he'd he probably be not super young, but, like, maybe in his mid-30s or something. For Robin? I, I, don't, th- I don't think so because... Because of Nightwing? No, because Robert Pattinson himself is, like, 31. Oh, okay. So then maybe, like, early 20s or something like that. Yeah, I... As much as I'm a stickler for... Stick to the source material, stick to the comics, I don't think you can fully stick to the comics in that, of, like, Batman adopting a nine-year-old kid from the circus and have him work side-by-side um, fighting criminals with guns every single night. Mm-hmm. It's not really believable. Um, but do... Kind of, I hate to compare it to the MCU, but do what the MCU did for Bucky of 
in the original comics, Bucky was more or less a really bad Robin knockoff. Um, but in the movies, they aged him up to be more or less kind of a peer to Captain America, but Captain America's still the main one. I could see them doing uh, something similar with Robin of maybe he's 16 or 17. He still gets adopted by Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. but he's a little bit older and a little bit more mature. That way, it makes more sense why he's a partner for Batman and not just a, hey, let's stick a nine-year-old in tights and have him get shot at. Um, it makes more sense if he's more physically fit he needs an outlet for his pain because that's essentially what Dick Grayson is. Um, so you have a couple years of them teaming together before maybe either the end of the second one or sometime in the third one he breaks off to become Nightwing. And it it's just the stickler in me. When we get Robin, it's got to be Dick Grayson. Um, there's been plenty of others. You got Jason Todd, Tim Drake. Those can come in time, but gosh dang it, I need my Grayson. Uh, but I'm not going to beat that dead horse because I need to... Instead of a swear jar, I need a Nightwing jar, as does Josh for a How to Train Your Dragon jar. But um, sticking in the realm of comic book um, movie news, we have probably the most delayed movie announcement ever that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse will finally be getting a sequel uh, coming out April of 2022. So still a long way off. Heather, my big question out of this is, why did it take him so long to announce this sequel? Um, what were your thoughts on Into the Spider-Verse, and are you excited for a second one? Well, I really, really enjoyed Into the Spider-Verse. I thought it was really fun. I thought it was entertaining. It was very unique and very different. But I love I love the animation and how it like flipped black, flipped flopped from like it looked like a real comic book it looked like just today's like computer generated um animation i don't know how to describe it but it looked really really cool i just love all the storylines and just how they brought in different spider spider man spider versus spider you know different elements from different comics and i i like that because it helps me learn and it helps me learn in the easier way a more fun upbeat way Yeah, I think, at least for me, Into the Spider-Verse is one of the biggest surprises. I I won't say I hated, but none of the trailers really wowed me. I thought, um, at least from the trailers, but you get used to it in the movie, um, the animation style was super wonky. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. To me, the animation style ended up being one of the best things about the movie. Um, It's unique and it's different. Still, I'm left scratching my head as... Uh, Into the Spider-Verse came out almost a year ago because it came out the same, almost the same weekend as like uh, that Nightmare Weekend that was Aquaman, Mm -hmm. Bumblebee, Mary Poppins, um, Holmes and Watson, which ended up being no threat whatsoever. It was like a super packed um, like seven day stretch. Um, That movie came out almost a year ago and they're only just now announcing a sequel, even though it was like almost universally beloved. Which, it's, it's super weird. Um, my main concern is, will Lord and Miller, the directors of the first one, will they be coming back? The guys that also did Lego Movie. Will they be coming back for this? I, I hope so. They are, at least when it comes to animated stuff, I really like their stuff. I even like the Jump Street movies, but those are very different than Lego Movie and Spider-Verse. Um, 
the one thing I want more than anything else is something that was clearly set up at the end of End of the Spider-Verse. So, spoiler alert if you haven't seen End of the Spider-Verse. But the end credits scene is um, Miguel O'Hara, also known as Spider-Man 2099, voiced by Oscar Isaac, Poe Dameron from um, Star Wars, just showing up. Uh, Spider-Man 2099 was the one Spider-Man I really, really wanted to be in the movie besides, um, like, Spider-Man Noir. Um, I... I want to see more of that story of, and I think I pitched it to you, Heather, when the movie came out shortly after of, I want um, Spider-Man 2099 to like go back in time and be like, Miles, we have to fix some like timeline or fix something in my universe that was messed up. Um, and we have a whole batch of new characters. Like, yes, I would love it is well documented, my love of Nicolas Cage. I would love for Nicolas Cage's uh, Spider-Man Noir to come back, John Mulaney's Spider-Ham, um, Haley Steinfeld's Spider-Gwen. That being said, there are still a ton of other characters in the Spider-Verse that we have not seen yet. Now, we have conf- gotten confirmation that Japanese Spider-Man will be in the um, movie, the terrible 60s um, Japanese version of Spider-Man that had like a weaponized gauntlet or whatever he is actually going to be in the movie but um i think that's going to be super cool but i would like um maybe this is just the fan and me um ben riley is a character called the scarlet spider which there's this it's like the worst spider-man story of all time the clone saga of guess what peter parker is actually a clone and ben riley's the real spider-man it was a super dumb storyline but he ended up becoming a really really popular character um there's a lot of spider-man's that we could get that we haven't gotten yet of um, punk Spider-Man, um, the British Spider-Man. Uh, there's also talk that maybe Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield could come back, but that's a that that's rumored to be a live-action thing. I just want more of that um, really high-paced energy that demands rewatches, but also just a lot of heart. The first in the Spider-Verse had a surprising amount of heart and great storytelling. I just I want more of that. Um, I know Josh has said before, Into the Spider-Verse is his all-time favorite Spider-Man movie. It's my number two, um, but who knows? Into the Spider-Verse 2 could Leapfrog Homecoming become my favorite, depending on what they do. That being said, I'm I'm just excited to finally be officially getting word that we're getting more of these. Um, something that I didn't think we would be getting more of, but seems that we are, is Ant-Man. I honestly did not think we were going to be getting more, but... Now it seems like director Peyton Reed, who has directed the first two Ant-Mans, is going to be brought on board to direct a third Ant-Man. Uh, now, Heather, you and I have not seen the second one, Ant-Man and the Wasp, but we did see the first one a while back. Um, what are your thoughts on an Ant-Man 3, and is it something you're actually excited for? Mm-hmm. I remember the I the first one was fine. Like It wasn't super exciting to me, but the concept was... It was different. It was fine. Um, I don't really have much thoughts about the third one, when and if they make it. I think, you know, it, it could be okay, but it's like, I don't have a personal connection. I would maybe see it just to kind of learn from it, but I don't feel like it could be like a big, grand old story. Yeah. I, why I'm so surprised this is getting announced is just because of all the... Um, standalone franchises within the MCU, like your Iron Man's, uh, your Captain America's, 
Ant-Man is actually like the lowest grossing of all the standalone movies um, by a pretty decent amount. Like it, it of course does well at the box office, but not to the heights of a Captain America or an Iron Man um, or whoever else or Thor. Like his, his ones do okay. So with a whole bunch of new characters coming on the forefront, I didn't really necessarily think that we'd be getting a third one just because Marvel's about to get really, really crowded with new stuff of X-Men, but more importantly, and there's some speculation going around, uh, Fantastic Four may be introduced in Ant-Man via the Quantum Realm. So think back, uh, both in the Ant-Man movies and in Avengers Endgame, Ant-Man is crucial because he introduces the world to the Quantum Realm, which is kind of, as a storyteller, it's the get-out-of-jail-free card of time travel? Quantum Realm! Um, we need energy? Quantum Realm! So there's some talk out there that the Fantastic Four were a team from the 60s, just like how they were in the comics uh, that were created in the 60s, and Ant-Man somehow gets them, sends them through the Quantum Realm to our time. Um, I don't care how we get them, I just want Fantastic Four. And if they're introduced via um, Ant-Man... Totally on board with that. I still kind of think they're going to be introduced in a Spider-Man movie because Fantastic Four crosses over with Spider-Man the most. But if this next Spider-Man movie truly is his last in the MCU, I can see why uh, Marvel wants to introduce Fantastic Four in one of their own movies, not a Sony movie, if that makes sense. Um, But yeah, I I know a lot of people that like the Ant-Man movies. I know Josh really likes them. I know... um, my mom and dad really like those standalone ones. They've just never really resonated with me, so I'm I'm excited. I I guess excited enough. Ant Man's a, a decent enough supporting character. I think this third one is more or less just kind of his his swan song, his final before we move on to some newer characters. But that could just be me. Um, another one that I'm not as excited for, but in contrast to Ant. I'm way more excited for Ant-Man than this movie. Fantastic Beasts Part 3. Yay. So this movie supposedly is finally starting to film in spring of next year. Um, One, I don't believe this for a second. I think they're still going to go back to the drawing board in a couple months here. Um, But there's some other important news to take into consideration with this announcement. So, first of all, the, uh, they will be filming in Brazil with a lot of the film taking place in Brazil, kind of keeping this um, globe-trotting um, theme to the Fantastic Beast movies. <coughs> um, but also, apparently, will feature more prominently Hogwarts and Dumbledore. Uh, sure? <sighs> I was just burned so bad with Crimes of Grindelwald that I genuinely do not care. Heather, do you see it any different? And are you excited for Fantastic Beast 3? As someone that didn't see Crimes of Grindelwald, you you lucky. Um, no, I did not see the second one. And honestly, I don't really have an opinion. I don't really want to see it if they have. If they do eventually come out with it. I I don't know. I'm I'm not intrigued. I'm not like, oh yeah, the third one's coming. I better go catch up on the second one. So, no, uh, I have no opinion, really. 
I I think with them shifting focus to Hogwarts and Dumbledore, it's that was the direction they should have begun in the first place. So when you say a Harry Potter prequel, there's very few stories that immediately come to my mind. But in established Harry Potter canon, one of like the thing that makes Dumbledore Dumbledore and makes him like super famous in the Wizarding World is his defeat of Grindelwald. Um, so I kind of figured when they did a prequel that that would be the story arc that they'd go with of Dumbledore eventually fighting Grindelwald. Well, they've been taking their dear sweet time getting to that point. And I get that you got to slow burn the way there, but also it kind of just makes no sense because Newt's there for seemingly no reason. So if the final showdown is Dumbledore versus Grindelwald, why are you shoehorning Newt's commander into this? Who I've never really cared about him as a character. Um, I, I just think this is kind of more desperation, but also there's a, there's a silver lining here. So JK Rowling wrote the first two Fantastic Beasts and they're trash. Well, the first one's not super bad, Heather. I know you enjoy the first one, at least. It wasn't too bad. I mean, it was enjoyable. It's not my favorite movie, but I still liked it a little bit. Yeah. I thought on upon a rewatch, the first one's okay. Um, second one, I absolutely despise, but the, both of them were written by J.K. Rowling. She's writing the third one. Not super great. But she's writing it with a guy named Steve Kloss. So if you don't know who he is, he actually wrote seven out of the eight Harry Potter movies. So he knows how to translate J.K. Rowling's works into something screen ready. J.K. Rowling is a halfway decent. She used to be a great author. Now she's like crapping on her own legacy. Um... She's a halfway decent author, um, but she just because you write good books doesn't necessarily mean you know how to write for a movie. It's a different writing process. I was going to say, it's because she wants complete control over her property, right? Yes. As someone that's worked in the Wizarding World at Universal, oh my gosh, the amount of rules and regulations that woman imposes on everything. Uh, but Steve Kloss at least has been able to, in the past, translate um, her vision from the books to the screen um, so hopefully that's a good thing going forward. Now, the other big thing coming out of this, um, because Heather, you know, I think as a DC fan, this impacts another movie's timetable. Um, so Ezra Miller, who has stated that he's still the Flash, despite what we think, he was the Flash in Justice League. He said that they're going to begin filming the just uh, the Flash movie as soon as he's done filming with Fantastic Beasts. Um, one. Do you still believe that's the case? And two, that would probably peg filming for The Flash um, starting maybe fall 2020 at the earliest. Uh, do you think that's actually going to happen? Or do you think Ezra Miller's done as Flash? Mm, I honestly think he's done. Why do you think that? It's been going on too long. Like He's like, oh, I'm going to do this whole movie. I'm going to do this and that. And you just don't hear anything from him any thing from anybody about the whole ideal he's just honestly he's just very interesting as a person yeah Ezra Miller's kind of yeah Ezra Miller's a unique individual uh yeah we haven't really heard anything since uh director Andy Muschietti was brought on who did the um two it movies and he did a movie called Mama I think he's a good director I think he will do the Flash movie just not with Ezra Miller as the Flash I think we're gonna get him recasted and this time can we make the man blonde? Although there is a way that we can still have Ezra Miller as the Flash, but not have him in the Flash movie. 
Um, in the comics, there's been multiple people that have been Flash. He's Barry Allen. You can do a Wally West um, Flash movie. That works just as well because Wally West took over for Barry Allen in the comics for many decades. Um, so I think that's absolutely a route that they can go. But bringing it back to Fantastic Beast, I am not excited. I would not be surprised in the slightest if this gets delayed again. But please, in all that's right in this world, just make it better than the last one, please. That's even assuming I'll see it, because you've really got to win me over after the train wreck that was Crimes of Grindelwald. Well, um, last two news topics of this week are horror-related. Yes, we may be done with Halloween, but we're never done with Halloween-related news. Um, so, one of my most anticipated movies coming next year is uh, Lee Whannell's The Invisible Man, because I really enjoy the original Invisible Man. I also really like Lee Whannell as a director. He and James Wan did the original Saw movie, the only good one in the entire series. Come at me. But also, he did this incredibly underrated movie last year called Upgrade, which basically is like if Venom was good. Yes, I said that too. Um, so, I've been keeping my eye on this Invisible Man movie very, very closely, especially because the uh, man playing the Invisible Man is uh, one of the characters from Haunting of Hill House, which is one of the best shows on Netflix. Um, so now, via Entertainment Weekly, we have um, some first official pictures from this movie, and... Okay, there's not much here, but there's pictures nonetheless. So, either you've seen these three pictures that I showed you before we recorded. Do you think there's... Anything really there? Anything that, uh, as someone that's more of a casual with this, like I'm sure your excitement level is not as high as mine. Do these photos get you any more excited, or are they just kind of, they're just kind of photos? Hmm, not super excited, I would say. Is the concept of a modern Invisible Man something that appeals to you, or are you just like, eh, it was cool and it's time? No, no, no. I actually did like the original one when we watched it together. It's just the pictures to me, I don't know. I know it's invisible and nothing's there, but it was literally like a woman either looking at the window or by a window. And I don't know. I would at least want to see like, and I know it's weird, but see like a shadow or something. That's fair. Uh, I think these pictures, given that they were in an official publication with Entertainment Weekly, I think in the next week or two, we will be talking about the actual trailer for this on the podcast. I don't think the trailer is very far behind at all. Ooh, maybe even next week if it comes out with Dr. Sleep this weekend. I I would not be surprised at all if it drops with Dr. Sleep. Uh, if not Dr. Sleep, then um, I could see it being with Knives Out. I don't know why, but I could see it being attached to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very yeah, excited. I'm very excited, but... Maybe I'm just grasping at straws here. Maybe, yeah, the pictures were just kind of okay. It was just nice to finally get some form of anything because this production has been unusually quiet. And maybe it's just because it's not from a major studio like Marvel or DC where people, where the paparazzi just aren't swarming it. It also wasn't super high budget. But it's just nice to get some form of, okay, we have something. So a trailer is soon. Um, Something we did kind of get a trailer for is Halloween Kills, which, hands down, is um, the movie I am by far the most anticipated and most excited for next year. Uh, next year is just going to be great for horror. We've got Invisible Man, Halloween Kills, and A Quiet Place 2, all of which I'm sure are going to be great. Uh, but we kind of got this first, not even trailer. Um, so on Halloween, director David Gordon Green shared this kind of like half-minute 
just behind the scenes rapid cuts of stuff going on during Halloween Kills. Now, at first you're just like, oh, okay, just kind of shooting stuff. But if you're like me and you overanalyze every single detail hoping to get some form of a clue of where the direction of the movie's going, there's quite a few indications of where the story may be headed. Um, but also some nice references to diehard fans um, which with some little nice Easter eggs within these shots that we've seen. So, Heather, you've seen the uh, this little teaser, I'll call it a teaser, a couple times with me now. Um, any big takeaways or general thoughts for Halloween Kills next year? Well, I really like the very, very brief trailer. Um, I thought it saw, showed us some details and, like you said, like different characters that we've seen in the past, but much more grown up. Um, I think it's going to tell a little bit more of their story and you know, how they relate to Michael Myers. And hopefully we just get more out of them. And hopefully more out of, obviously, more out of, um, what is it, um, you said Allison? Allison, Karen, and of course, Lori. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, it's weird to think, I saw a theory, and I kind of subscribed to this, that, um, so, Jamie Lee Curtis was on set for not really that long for this filming, which kind of makes me think, she's not going to be in this movie very much. I don't think she's dying. Not at all. Because we have Halloween ends in 2021, which they've said more or less is the official end of the Michael Myers and Laurie Strode story. So I don't think you're going to kill her in part two of a trilogy. That being said, given the amount of injuries that she sustained in 2018's Halloween, I can absolutely see her being stuck in the hospital, kind of like the original Halloween 2, um, and being out of commission for most of the movie. And then... She comes back full force, full on, one on one, one last time. Michael versus Laurie in Halloween ends um, in fall 2021. So that could be why she's not filming as much. The nice thing is with this, if we're not getting as much Laurie, we're getting a lot of callbacks to the original Halloween with characters like Tommy Doyle, Lindsay Wallace, Sheriff Brackett, um, Lonnie. All returning, uh, Nurse Marion, all returning for this. Of all, all those original characters, Heather, what are some or one character that you're more excited to see return than the rest? Hmm. Let me think. Maybe. Okay, so we all, we both mentioned this off this, but like Tommy, I kind of want to see him and his story and why he's like, you know, now involved again. But he did look kind of creepy, so I look kind of creepy, so I want to know. And maybe Lindsay's perspective yeah, as well. Yeah, Tommy, we see in this, like, trailer um, carrying a baseball bat in front of a car. Uh, and then there's another, like, official picture that we've seen floating around. Of, it seems to be Tommy, Lindsay, and Marion all kind of, like, sitting together, whether it's, like, a town hall meeting or whatever, talking about Michael. But they're together for some reason. I'm very curious to see what Tommy's story is. The character, I've made it very known several times. That I'm most excited to see return to Sheriff Brackett. Who, there's no way he's still Sheriff. At, probably in his 80s or 90s by now. There's no way he's still Sheriff. It's just nice to see him returning. Uh, I've talked at length about why I think his story is great for this. Um, there's a lot of nice Easter eggs of... There's a quick shot of Michael's hand on the side of a car, which is a callback to the original Halloween when he steals the car from uh, Nurse Marion. 
Um, it's cl- this movie is clearly taking place minutes after the first one because mm-hmm. we see um, Karen and Lori. It seems to be at the hospital. Um, Allison still seems to be in the same Halloween costume that she was in in the first one, which I'm fine with that. It kind of gives me a vibe of Halloween 2, which um, I don't want to speak for you, Heather, but that's actually one of your favorite of the sequels, right? Yes, definitely. Which one do you, would you say you like more, Halloween 2 or Halloween 4? I do like 2 a lot. I think it's very different. You know, it's mainly in the hospital, excuse me. Mainly in the hospital, but I, I don't know. It's just something about it. It's suspenseful. But when you already are, like this, the characters we see are either established or, or we grow to like them or gl- grow to, like, find them annoying. But they all contribute to the story of Michael Myers. Bring back Jimmy, you cowards. <laughs> Bring back Jimmy. Yeah. Um, He's a good character. Yeah, so I like that they're kind of echoing the path of Halloween 2, but making it something new. Um, something that's really, really easy to miss, unless you're a diehard fan that notices the little details. Um, there's a flashback scene, clearly, in this. Um, of it's either Tommy or um, Lonnie walking down the street holding a candy bucket, but that is an outfit and a shot. From the original Halloween. So there's going to definitely be some Halloween flashbacks to the first film um, of maybe in this new timeline, what happened after the attack? Um, what was Haddonfield like after Lori was sent to the hospital back in 78, after everything else happened? So maybe we have two separate storylines going on at the same time in this movie. There's there's just a lot of what-if possibilities that I can see in this that I'm really, really excited for to see. Um what the direction is, um, on a scale of 1 to 10, um, Heather, what is your excitement for Halloween Kills, would you say? Mm, I would say maybe a 7 right now. Um, like, I did, a, like, the re- you'd call it a remake? I would call it The Force Awakens of Halloween. Okay. Um, I it, did. It's like, it's like the first one, but updated. Yeah. It, it's like Force Awakens, kind of. I think I I really did like that, so I'm pretty sure I'm gonna like this next one. Um, I just it it gives us information of what we kind of know and could expect, but we still don't know a lot, and I think that's a good thing. We can kind of just figure out oh what the trailers we get, and then soon you know piece together things. But you don't want to know everything before you go in. Yeah, ain't that right, DC trailers? Um, yeah, I'm really excited for this just because of all the people coming back. But also, this one feels like it's made for the fans. Like, casual people aren't going to know who Tommy Doyle or Lindsay Wallace or Sheriff Rackett is. It's nice to have them come back for the diehard fans. Um, this, the way that they're setting this up, this actually feels more like a sequel to the original film than Halloween 2018 does. And I'm totally fine with that. Um, I'll always be excited for a Halloween movie, but the way that they're going about this... I'm just really excited to see um, what direction we go with this. Um, well, that about wraps us up for movie news. Um, for a sponsor this week, we'll go with Halloween candy. Hopefully, you picked all of yours up on November 1st. We still have plenty of ours, and don't eat it all in one place. Um, so, somewhat keeping the Halloween spirit alive. I still have HHN hangover sadness. I'm not fully over it being gone, but... Uh, Doctor Sleep is coming out this weekend, which I still don't quite understand why it didn't come out in October, because it's a horror movie, but that's neither here nor there. 
Um, the film is a sequel to the original Shining, directed by Stanley Kubrick, but it's also a sequel to the Stephen King book. Now, there's a big difference between the book and the movie, and apparently this movie balances both incredibly well. So, in honor of that, we wanted to take a look at uh, movies that haven't gotten sequels yet that we really think deserve a chance in the spotlight. Um, now, quite a few of these are recent movies, but not all of them. Um... So, right off the bat, I have one of my favorite action movies that I really, really wish did better, and I apparently discovered recently that it's not really well-loved by critics, but I don't care because it was one of my favorite action movies, and kind of an action comedy nonetheless, in A-Team. I remember seeing this in theaters with my mom, and both of us walked out of it with a big old grin on our face. Uh, I didn't really grow up watching the A-Team series. Uh, I know my mom and dad watched it when it was on TV originally uh, with Mr. T and everyone else. So I didn't really know what I was going getting myself into other than the fact that I love me some Liam Neeson. Um, wasn't a huge, um, not Ryan Reynolds, uh, Bradley Cooper fan. They look very similar. Um, wasn't a huge Bradley Cooper fan at the time just because he wasn't as big as he is now. Um, but I loved... Uh, everything about this movie. I love Liam Neeson's um, face. I love uh, Shorto Copley as Murdoch. He was the best thing about it. Absolutely nailed the performance and was pleasantly surprised by um, be, uh, uh, the man that replaced Mr. T as B.A. Baracus, uh, Rampage Jackson. There we go. I forgot about his name for a second. I thought the cast chemistry was just outstanding. The action was over the top, but in the most fun way possible. Um, humor really, really clicked. I wanted more of this, but I don't think we're getting it just because it's been so long since the first one. But if we ever got a chance to, I would love to see the second one for this. Um, so next up, we'll go with one that Heather and I saw in theaters together that I thought this movie did pretty well. But maybe not if we haven't gotten a sequel, or maybe it's a rights thing. I don't know. But the only, I'd say, family movie on this list, the Peanuts movie from, when was it, Heather? 2015, 2016? When did the Peanuts yeah. movie come out? I feel like it was 2016. Yeah, I remember you and I saw it together over Thanksgiving break, and why on earth does this movie not have a sequel yet? I love this movie. Heather... What do you remember about the Peanuts movie, and why does it need a sequel? Well, <clears throat> excuse me. I loved it, loved it. We saw it. We did a video on it. You should watch it. It's a few years old. But anyway, it is just, uh, I'm going to recap what I said a few years ago. It's so vivid and lively, and it is just the perfect representation of the old classic Peanuts Charlie Brown movies. Um, again. This is, sorry, my throat and so scratchy. But anyway, I would love to see it remade or continuation of this movie because it just has all the fun characters, all the original characters. And it was just something that anyone, families with kids, us young adults, older, anybody could enjoy because... The production company just made it so pleasant and so fun and so, you know, childlike, but not childish. That's a great way to put it. Childlike, but not childish. Mm -hmm. I 
Uh, you touched on it, but I completely agree. I love the animation style. They managed to um, really re- lovingly recreate the Charles Schultz animation, but use modern uh, effects to it. It still had that 2D, but kind of a 3D feel. To- it's so hard to describe, but it felt peanuts. And the voice cast was great. It just felt like a Peanuts movie, but just newer and fresher. Um it's like the what's new Scooby-Doo of Peanuts, of very much in the original, just with a fresh coat of paint to it. And I really don't get why we haven't gotten a new one. I remember a few weeks ago specifically asking, if we ever got a new Peanuts movie, it better be a new incarnation of It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, because they that with new uh, animation style. Um, so another one that, uh, believe it or not, Heather saw this movie before I did. I just saw this for the first time over the past weekend, and... I'm amazed uh, that we're not getting a sequel for this, but it's it's more or less confirmed at this point that we're not. The director has come out and said, for some reason, we're not, uh, is Central Intelligence, starring Kevin Hart and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Now, I've been on the record a few times. Uh, I'm pretty critical of The Rock. I think he's very the same in every single movie. Um, I'm starting to turn a little bit on that, just due to Jumanji. He was a ton of fun in Jumanji with Kevin Hart. Uh, but he's also very different in Central Intelligence with Kevin Hart. And I had so much fun with these two characters in particular that I would love more adventures with them, but it doesn't seem like we're getting that. Um, Heather, when did you first see Central Intelligence, and is that a universe and characters that you would want to spend more time with? Yeah, I saw it when it first came out in theaters, which was like two years ago, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Something along those lines. I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really funny. It was action-packed, but not so... Sometimes action movies I like, but I can't always follow. And that's just who I am. Um, But I loved it, and it was just... They played off of each other very well. And I know I kept talking up the movie for you for a while. I'm like, hey, Nathan, you should see this. You, I think you'll like it. And I know I liked it more than you did, but I would love to see a sequel as well. I think it would just be something that's different and classy, but something that's, you know, not, okay, not like classy, like, oh, you know what I mean? But like something anyone can enjoy because it's just, it's just silly and goofy, but I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Oh, no, I completely get what you're saying. Um, So while you're saying that, I was thinking of... um a buddy cop movie because central intelligence more or less is a buddy cop movie of Kevin Hart and Dwayne the rock Johnson, except only one of them is actually an agent. Um, it made me think of another buddy cop movie that I love, but it doesn't seem like we're getting a sequel for anytime soon. The other guys starring Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. Um, I really, really enjoyed this. So I'm not the biggest Will Ferrell fan. He's kind of hit or miss for me. I like anchorman, but step brothers doesn't really do it for me. Um, He's great in a Lego movie because I will never cease to sing the praise of Lego movie. Uh, The Other Guys is one of my favorites just because of the chemistry between uh, Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. But then, because my train of thought never ends and never has a station that it can stay in, um, my mind immediately went from The Other Guys to one of my favorite comedies of all time that's not by Mel Brooks that I have said for literally 10 years now, we need a sequel, but all these stars in it have gone on to bigger and better things. 
actors such as Steve Carell, Anne Hathaway, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson, I, of course, am talking about Get Smart. Mm-hmm. I want Get Smarter. I've said it for 10 years now. Get Smarter. Make it happen, people. I love Get Smart. Um, Heather... When did you first get exposed to Get mm-hmm. Smart, and is that a movie that you want to see more of? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Give, Get Smart as well. I saw it, I think, when it first came out. I believe, what was that, like 2008? Yeah, 2007, 2008-ish? Yeah, I definitely saw it in theaters, and I loved it. I saw it, I believe I saw it with my sister and my cousins, and we just thought it was so funny and so good. And, like, I knew of the original Get Smart, but I didn't see it until like later, later in life, like later now, like recently ish. <laughs> Which I actually feel like I need to make a quick amendment to my statement of uh, Get Smart is one of the few um, comedies not made by Mel Brooks, but there is a Mel Brooks connection to Get Smart. He created the original show. So, really? <laughs> yep, Mel Brooks oh, created the original gosh. Get Smart. Okay. Uh, but yes, Get Smart, I've been saying for since I saw it of we need another one of um, Max and 99 going on more adventures, um, running into more professional wrestlers, not just The Rock, but Great Khali. Um, the chemistry with the entire cast was great. The humor spot on. I just really enjoy Get Smart and I want more, but it doesn't seem likely just because so much time has passed. Um, another movie that so much time has passed that I really don't think it's going to happen, which is unfortunate, um, a double header for me, honestly, of two um, critically divisive, but um, not also successful Disney movies. But I enjoy both of them very much, even if neither of them are getting a sequel. Prince of Persia and John Carter. Neither of these movies get a sequel, but both of them fully, fully deserve it because it's Disney's fault for both of them why they flop so hard. John Carter was one of the worst marketing campaigns I've ever heard of, and if you're not familiar with the source trail, which no one was going into it, uh, John Carter more or less was the inspiration for any modern sci-fi movie like Star Wars, Star Trek. Uh, It was the inspiration for that, but no one's going to be interested in a movie called John Carter. That's not an exciting title. John Carter of Mars, not much better. Um, the marketing was not clear as to what it was. Also, at the time, I I remember distinctly, this was the worst year for Taylor Kitsch, um, who starred in John Carter. He was in John Carter, and then a few months later, he was in Battleship with Rihanna, which mm. bombed hard and that dude never really got a starring like a main role in a big blockbuster ever since which is sad because he was great in john carter but one that i actually enjoy more than john carter that needs a sequel even more is the one video game movie that i actually really enjoy prince of persia starring one of my favorite actors jake gyllenhaal before he became a really big name uh heather you've seen prince of persia correct um, honestly, I don't remember it very much. If I saw it, I don't, honestly, I don't remember. <laughs> I would not be surprised if one of the holidays coming up, whether Thanksgiving or Christmas, it finds its way on the TV. It's one of those ones like the first Avengers or um, Independence Day. Uh, it finds its way on the TV, either our house or mom and dad's house all the time. 
Um, always love me some Jake Gyllenhaal. Great fun, great action. A lot of potential. Um, it just never took off, and it's one that I really would love to see another crack out, but it's been like 10 years, so I highly doubt that's going to happen. Um, we'll go with another recent one. In Another one that you and I saw together, and oh, I wish, I wish, wish, like Dragon Tales, I wish, I wish with all my heart that this would get a sequel, and I'll say this one on Josh's behalf because I know it would be on his list too. The 2017 Power Rangers movie had no right to be as good as it was, and it fully deserves the sequel that it teased. Um, Heather, you grew up more with a love of Power Rangers than I did. I didn't really grow up with it. Um, What did you think about Power Rangers, and do you, if if we got a sequel for it, is it something that you'd be interested in? Well, yes, I really, really enjoyed Power Rangers as a kid. But especially the remake, the, you know, whatever you want to call it, 2017 movie. I thought it was really good. I love all the characters and I love how all the actors kind of just fit their role in the individual Power Ranger that they were. Um, They just, yeah, like, like Billy. Yeah, he was different than original, but Nathan, and we'll talk about him more, probably, but he was, he was autistic. He had just, like, these quirks and things, but it fit the role of Billy, and, like, honestly, in the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, I liked Billy because he was, like, dorky, and just, he was himself, and he was just, like, the dork, the nerd of the, the bunch, but, yeah, I like Billy in this one, and, you know, Jason is a little more like, oh, I'm so tough, I'm so tough, but come down to it, he's not super tough. But, you know what I mean? Was he, Jason the he, Red Ranger? Jason's Red Ranger. Okay, it's always. Tommy's Green Ranger. I was getting them mixed Tommy's up. Tommy's Green, yeah. Or white sometimes, but anyway. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember you and I saw it together, and we both walked out of it going, yeah. that was so good. Also, um, I really got to give credit where credit's due, due of whoever the casting director was mm-hmm. for Power Rangers. Yeah absolutely needs a raise because not only did everyone fit the role uh, perfectly for the movie, but almost everyone in that movie has gone on to really big things. Like um, Jason, the Red Ranger, um, was the brother in Stranger Things Season 2 and 3. Mm-hmm. Dacre Montgomery, mm-hmm. his stock is skyrocketing. Um, Ludi Lin was um, the Black Ranger. He was an Aquaman. Um, he... He's been in a lot of stuff recently. Yeah, he's so familiar. I don't know where else I've seen him. His stock is rising, but our, without a doubt, the one that their stock has risen the highest um, is Naomi Scott, who yeah. played the Pink Ranger, um, who recently killed it in Aladdin as Jasmine. Uh, and now her momentum is going to hit a screeching halt with Charlie's Angels, but everyone's got a dud every once in a while, Will Smith and Wild Wild West. Um but everyone was really, really good. I give huge props to this movie of I didn't care as much when they were suited up, um, which normally the original Power Rangers, from my limited knowledge of it, it was um, you got your typical um, after-school special with um, just typical high school drama uh, and then regular kick-butt action when they were all suited up. I actually cared more about them as characters when they didn't have the suits compared to when they do. I think... Uh, any like the um, Zord fights are just kind of okay, um, like when they're in the um, 
what are they, the big machines, when they're fighting uh, the putties or in the big machines. I thought those scenes were just okay. But to me, like, the best scene of that whole movie is the campfire scene, when they're all talking about their personal struggles, and none of it's just, like, um, like artificial. Uh, a lot of times in uh, movies about teenagers, it's fake problems or, like, over-dramatized stuff. But Power Rangers did, this, did a great job of humanizing its characters and problems that actually make a lot of sense like black ranger of his mom is super super sick and he doesn't know what will happen to his mom or what happens to him if something happens to his mom um or a girl that doesn't really know how to talk to her parents about certain issues that she's going through that are very common with teenagers or like heather said billy with his autism and how they played that character um in a very believable way as i work with um certain autistic students and they're they act very very similar to that yes. uh they don't change as people uh, but their portrayal is spot on i would love more time in this universe and they set it up to be um with a tommy tease at the end i was excited to see tommy but it doesn't seem like likely we're probably getting a reboot which is sad because i wanted more of this universe i really enjoyed this current incarnation of power rangers um on the flip side power rangers has made its way into comics over time. A comic book character that desperately needs a sequel is my boy Carl Urban in the movie Dread. Now, this movie flopped hard because people thought it was uh, a sequel to the Sylvester Stallone one from the 90s, and it's that movie's terrible. The Carl Urban one is amazing. Uh, it is very violent. It is over the top, but it is so much fun. It's a simple premise of a cop and his trainee have to get to a crime boss at the top of a building. They have to fight their way to the top of a building to take out Mama, played by Lena Headey from Game of Thrones. It is an excellent movie. The world that is established is amazing. Unfortunately, I highly doubt, I can bet money almost, that we will never get a sequel to Dread, which really makes me sad because of the quality that was put in. Carl Urban continues to be vastly underappreciated as an actor, and I would just love to see him in more stuff, but it doesn't seem likely. Um, flipping back to more recent movies, well, I say recent, but this movie's probably seven or eight years old by now. Uh, one that I remember seeing in theaters with my dad, and both of us having zero expectation for this movie, but being pleasantly surprised by the performance of one Hugh Jackman and one child actor who would later go on to be in Iron Man 3, um, a movie called Real Steel. Going into it, it just looked like Rock'em Sock'em Robots the movie, and a lot of film critics and people that hadn't seen the movie were just basically giving it a whole bunch of jokes, saying that it looked like Rock'em Sock'em Robots, but in reality, it ended up being a really good movie with a lot of heart. Now, Heather, you and I watched this movie... A few months back, I believe. Um, do you remember that anything about Real Steel? And is it something that you could see having sequel potential if they chose to go that route? I remember a little bit. Honestly, I would have to rewatch it to know full details. But I just remember it was something different. And it was action. Like, was it like when they were, they like kind of like Transformers, they like turned into something? Or am I thinking of something else? It's kind of like Transformers, so they control these robots in a fighting league. Yeah. So, they're kind of... It, it, oh, it's bringing back... Are they, like, they're in the fighting league and they're in these gems and things? Yeah, so, like, they yeah. train their robots to fight other robots, and it's a dad who doesn't really see as a son. That he, son, yes, I do remember. Okay, 
I would totally would like to see that as a, a sequel. Yeah. I think they did a good job in that movie establishing a universe that it totally actually is believable to me that there's fighting robots fighting each other. Uh, like like human physical contact sports are more or less dead and this is our form of entertainment now. I I would like to see more of it. I highly doubt we're going to. I don't know if the movie did particularly well at the box office, but I really enjoy Real Steel. I, anyone that knows me knows my thoughts on Hugh Jackman. That man is a national treasure and not the Nicolas Cage type national treasure. Um, his performance is great. I'm often very critical of child actors, but the kid in Real Steel also was just excellent. The performances were great. Um, action was good. It's just a really solid story. If I remember correctly, it was the director, the same guy that did Night at the Museum, um, which makes a lot of sense because Night at the Museum was a movie that had no right being as good as it was. That first one was really, really good. The second one was, eh, and then the third one was a nice send-off to Robin Williams. Um, I would I would just like more time with Real Steel. Uh, it'll never happen, but it's one that I would like to see a sequel be made for. Um, now, the last on our list, unless we can think of any more last-minute ones, is, um, if I remember correctly, this is your favorite of the Mel Brooks movies, of all the ones that I've shown you so far. Mine will always be Robin Hood Men in Tights, Heather's favorite, and the one that I think lends itself the most to being a sequel, Spaceballs. This movie, there's been on again, off again rumors of a sequel to Spaceballs being rumored for years. Um, but Rick Moranis, who is Dark Helmet, has been retired from acting for quite a while now uh, so he can raise his family. And Mel Brooks has said that he will not make a, another Spaceballs without Rick Moranis, which you can't make another Spaceballs without Dark Helmet. You just can't. That being said, how great would it be to have a Mel Brooks spoof of and another Spaceballs, except spoof the new Star Wars movies of? I was just thinking. I was just thinking that, like even like Force Awakens and Beyond, right? I well, just as you were thinking that, saying like I was like, okay, then that would be funny, like something you can like this generation or this um. Uh, what do you call it? Like just people watching Star Wars now, even if you know Star Wars from the beginning, like Force Awakens, Last Jedi, like all those just, oh, make poke fun at the little things with the humor in that or even bring out like some other of with the characters and like, oh, this this rivalry. Oh, this, this, this. But we don't act like that here. Just like jokes upon stuff we already know. And like you said, with the new ones, I think that would be. So entertaining and interesting. Like, we've seen plenty of, like, SNL spoofs yeah. of the new Star Wars, like, especially um, Matt the Radar Technician with Kylo Ren. I love that skit. But um, if you told me, like, uh, we have a Kylo Ren spoof character that's the son of Dark Helmet, and we have a Rey spoof character that's the son of Princess Vespa and Lone Star with a young actress or actor, uh, maybe like a... I don't know if Haley Steinfeld could do comedy, but um, have like a comedic actor, like a Chris Hemsworth spoofing a Kylo Ren or just riffing on, this is the new generation. Um, well, here's the old generation or just spoof on Disney owning Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, just there's a lot of material there that I think you could do, especially with this new landscape. Uh, you can make fun of current, the current landscape of blockbusters, not just with Star Wars, but like of maybe comic book movies. The landscape of just 
the movie industry as a whole is very different now than when the first Spaceballs came out. And I think there's a lot of material for Mel Brooks to work with if he wanted to go that route. I don't think we'll ever get another one. Um, But that being said, how great would another one be? And of course, if we got another Spaceballs, there's only one thing you can call it. It would have to be Spaceballs 2, The Search for More Money, just like the original said it would be. Um, I think that's about it. Unless, Heather, you can think of any last-minute ones of any movies that don't have sequels that you would like to have sequels for? I mean, okay. This was before you mentioned 13 going on 30. Honestly, I was thinking the whole time before we were talking, I was thinking, okay, not really a sequel, but just kind of like a continuation, I guess, kind of like a sequel. But like, of okay, Jennifer... Jennifer Gardner, right? Her character in 13 Going on 30 and Mark Ruffalo, right? Okay. They're characters, but now, like, okay, they're in their 50s. And then they have, like, a teenage daughter or son. Kind of, I was thinking, kind of like like 17 again. But it would be, like, I don't know how you describe it. But I just was like, oh, okay. Because I really like them together. Like, they have good quirky chemistry. And I'm like, okay, even now, like, as an older adult, they would be funny in it. And if they had an older teenager and then it was just, like, kind of the same movie as 13 going on 30, but different. Do you know what I mean? I think that would be funny. So you you got my creative juices flowing, which is always dangerous. I see what you're saying about maybe their daughter or something. Um, but what if it's the sequel to 13 going on 30? Now listen, hear me out. 30 going on 13 of it's the, it's reverse big. Looking at our movie shelf, another one. Um, I would love a sequel to Sahara with Matthew McConaughey and Steve Zahn. I love Sahara. Um, it made money, but the thing was Sahara was so expensive to make that I don't know if it made its money back. Uh, that being said, it's a ton of fun. I really, really enjoy Sahara. Um, no. Well, okay, this is, again, my throat, my voice is so, I sound crazy. But um, we've talked about this for a while now, but Big Hero 6. Yes, where is our sequel to mm-hmm. Big Hero 6? Dang it. Mm-hmm. I know we have an animated series, but that does not count. No. I want I want a Big Hero 6 movie. Oh, and then that brings, I could go on and on about the Disney or Pixar or whatever, but Tangled. That was not the route I thought you were going to take that. Uh, um, but I would like, yeah, I'd see another Tangled. I thought you were going to say Meet the Robinsons. Well, I love Meet the Robinsons. But I also like Tangled, too. Yeah. Tangled, I can see. Um, Big Hero 6. Oh, there's, that's just a sandbox of opportunities and um, things that you can do. And I'm just amazed that they haven't gone that route yet. Um, yeah, just... I know Big Hero 6 has an animated series that it's going to be on Disney Plus, but Disney Plus, make a Big Hero 6 movie, please. Um, oh, I've talked about it before uh, in our top 10 favorite horror movies. I think last week, I would love a sequel to Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I don't think that'll happen just because it's been so many years, but they've, they've talked about that one. I think there's a better chance of that happening than some other ones that we've talked about today. Um, if 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 uh, tomorrow it was announced that a Tucker and Dale vs. Evil 2 was happening. Uh, Heather, would you see it? Is that something you'd be interested in seeing? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, definitely. And I was just thinking along those lines, they waited 10 years to make a Zombieland 2. They can make 10 years, oh, 10 more years, they can make 
whatever, whatever movie, especially something as goofy and as ridiculous as that one. That's true. That's a very good point, which Zombieland 2, for me at least, breaks the curse because normally when you have like those long waiting sequels that took forever to make, they're not very good. Zombieland 2 is actually on par, if not a little bit better than the original, at least for me. Um, With that being said, I think that'll about wrap us up for this week. What are some movies that you would love to see sequels for, whether or not you think they're going to happen or not? Let us know. We always like hearing from you guys. Uh, If you haven't already subscribed to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether that's iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube, if you haven't already subscribed to us on the main YouTube channel at Untraded Media, and as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.